She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want Terry Watch. An X-Files podcast, season four. Episode four. Unruly. In this episode, a woman has a passport photo taken, but is attacked and kidnapped before returning for the photo. When the developed photo shows her screaming, Mulder believes the kidnapper's subconscious somehow imprinted on the film and maybe the key to stopping him. This episode is a Monster of the Week episode, and it originally aired on Sunday, October 27th, 1996 at 9 p.m. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, this is the first one that aired on Sunday instead of Friday because Millennium stole their spot. So, And it'll air on Sunday until the end of season nine. Yeah. So that's pretty much its spot for this life This is now. technically a move up as far as slots go because everyone forgets that Friday night is considered the dead man slot. It's where you put mm-hmm. shows that you don't think are going to survive. So, yeah, I just always think of X-Files as being a Friday night show. So, yeah, but it has historically though- been... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it aired longer on Sunday, but I probably watched it longer on Friday because I think I cut out around six. I don't know. Mm. So I don't know when I cut out. I'll, I'll try and figure it out when we get to that point, but I don't know if I'll know. So yeah, the episode was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Vince Gilligan and directed by Rob Bowman. So we're in Traverse City, Michigan, and a car pulls up in front of a drugstore in the rain. Inside, a woman is in the passenger seat. Her name is Mary, and she's putting on some makeup. And there's a man who's driving, and his name is Billy. Also, it's a yellow VW bug, and I like VW bugs. So I just want to know that. Anyway, he tells her that it's just a damn passport photo, not the cover of Vogue. But she says there's no reason she should look like hell in it. So he tells her they're on a schedule. And she's like, I know. And then he lights a cigarette, and he tilts the rearview mirror to look around. And he's like, act natural. And he kind of stiffens, and then a police car drives by. And then Mary gets out and says she'll be back in 10. And he tells her to make it five, and he'll be around back. So she goes in, and he goes around the back, I guess. And inside, the druggist, Mr. Spencer, takes her photo and asks if she's planning a big trip. And she says, no, not really. It's just good to have a passport. And actually, it is. It's a good idea. You should have a passport. Spencer tells her that it'll just be a few minutes to process the photo. And then another man in a big yellow like raincoat thing comes in with a hood, obscuring his face, and he comes in the store. And then the druggist tells Mary that it's going to be $6.95. And she reaches to her pocket, and she realizes she doesn't have her money. She left it in the car. And so she's going to have to go and get it and come back. So she goes outside, and then the man in the coat leaves right after her. Didn't seem to buy anything. I don't know. That's weird. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we see Mary. She's walking with an umbrella. And through the umbrella, we can see a silhouette of what looks like a hooded man coming up behind her. And then he runs into her and bumps her. And she's like, you jerk. But then he just keeps going. And then she's like, ah, she like rubs her shoulder and she realizes he did something to her. And she stumbles and she goes to the back and she's calling for Billy. And she finds Billy in the VW and he's dead. He's just sitting there and blood is coming out of his ear. Whoa. And he's got a nearly burned out cigarette hanging from his mouth. And yeah, he's dead. And then Mm -hmm. she falls and she tries to get up, 
but then she can't. She drops her umbrella and she's crawling on the pavement. It's all wet and rainy. And then she lies down in the rain. And then a black car pulls up and the man in the yellow raincoat gets out and he stands over her. And then back in the shop, Spencer is like, hmm, hmm, hmm. He's like waiting for her. And he's like, hmm, guess you're not coming back. Well, so much for that. And he pulls the thing back on the passport photo, like I've developed. And he's like, my God. And we see the photo is Mary. And she's all like, it's kind of distorted and surreal looking a little bit so mm-hmm. yep yeah it's really disturbing mm-hmm. and then it's the theme song theme song yeah i don't remember her screaming like that when he was taking the photo no i don't i don't think she was okay the druggist spencer is played by walter marsh he played a judge in miracle man and he'll be in one more episode of the x-files as well he also appeared on 21 Jump Street, Diagnosis Murder, and Sliders, among others. Yeah, he was the judge when all the, the locusts came into the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we're at Long Lake Road in northern Michigan, and it's 5.10 a.m. And Scully is holding a file that includes the screaming photo of Mary. Although oh, blown up. It's like big. It's like 8 by 10 now. Yeah. And so Mulder asks Scully's thoughts. And she asks if the police have been contacted by this woman's abductor. And Mulder says no, and it's going on three days. There's no hair or fiber evidence either, as the rain washed it all away. The autopsy on the dead boyfriend shows he was killed by a puncture wound through the left eardrum. So that's pretty. Someone just came up and like <laughs> stabbed him through the ear in the car. That's pretty terrifying. Yep, and into his brain. Yep. Scully asks how they figure into the investigation. And Mulder's like, don't you see the photo? Yes, Scully, open your eyes. (laughs) And Scully had assumed it was taken by her abductor, hence her screaming. But Mulder tells her it was taken by a druggist moments before she was abducted. It's a passport photo that was taken at a local drugstore. And the druggist claims the photo he took was normal in every respect. He only came forward to the police when he heard she was missing. Scully thinks whoever took the photo must be privy to the abduction. And Mulder's like, yeah, that's what you would think obviously it's not what he thinks but that's what people would think that's what you would think so at the drugstore spencer shows Mulder and scully the passport photo camera and he like sets it on the counter in front of them and he tells them that it was under lock and key so no one could have tampered with it and scully asks if she can take a look around and he tells her to go ahead so she steps behind the counter and he tells them that at first he thought he did something wrong when he took the picture scully notes that his film is out of date and she also notes there's a heater under the shelf where the film is kept. So that might be like distorting the film in some way. And he's got a leg brace. Yeah. The phone rings. And so Spencer excuses himself to answer it. And he limps down the aisle towards the phone because he does have that leg brace on. Mm-hmm. Like Tiny Tim all grown up. <laughs> Scully shows Mulder some smearing on the photo and says she thinks it's heat damage to the film. And Mulder asks if she thinks that would make it look like she posed screaming for a passport photo. And Scully just says, well, the film's two years out of date. Dies fade. And then she's like, all right, what's your theory? And Mulder's like, I'm not sure I have a theory. Yeah, because Mulder's looking at her like, Scully, cut your bullshit. Like, like, just say there's no theory. It's better than coming up with a bunch of crap. That doesn't make any sense, Scully. Like, yeah, I mean, on. it does out of date expired film especially for those kinds of cameras can distort stuff but not like that and i get that she's just grasping for some kind of answer because this is super weird but just say you don't know just say (laughs) you don't know 
and then you can investigate. You're supposed to be an investigator. So yeah, she's she's coming up with theories to investigate. She's just trying to write off cases. She's like, oh, that's the case. I solved it. Boom. Then we can go do something else. Yeah, I see how it is, Scully. I mean, maybe she's becoming part of the system. <laughs> she's like, okay, we came out here. Maybe we should go see if they have any like local taco stand or something. I don't know. In Michigan? I don't in know what's in Michigan. I've never been. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what would you find in Michigan? I don't know. Sorry, people in Michigan. I've never been. I don't even know what you would look for. Well, Traverse City is a real place. And apparently now they have a wine coast. So I guess you could go there. So, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So a police officer, Officer Trot, enters the shop and asks if they're the FBI agents. And they're like, yeah. And he apologizes for bringing them all the way out there. He thinks he's afraid that they might have wasted their time. So they are inside Billy and Mary's house. And there's mm-hmm. cops all over the place and doing crime scene stuff, taking photos and gathering evidence. And Mulder and Scully walk in and Trot introduces them to Postal Inspector Pruitt. His office is investigating a mail theft that they've traced to the missing woman, Mary LaFont. And she works as a sorter at the Curland Hills branch of the post office. Pruitt tells them that a number of unsigned credit cards never made it to their respective owners. And then he holds up a bag that's full of credit cards that they apparently found in the house. So apparently her yeah. boyfriend signed the cards and was into check fraud and forgery as well. So explains why he was kind of sketchy looking, I guess. Yeah. And why they seem nervous about the cops and stuff. Yeah. So Scully asks if Mary knew about the investigation, if that was maybe why she wanted to leave town. And Pruitt says, probably not. They didn't focus on her specifically until she came up missing. So they were just, I guess they didn't really suspect her, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Mulder looks at the Polaroids on the fridge. And Scully asks if Pruitt thinks she faked her disappearance. And he says, that's what it looks like. Mulder asks why she'd stab her boyfriend in the ear, though. And then he asks if they found a camera around. Pruitt shakes his head. Haven't. So. Yeah. No camera in her house. At least they've nope. seen. Well, it's Polaroids, though, so there probably is a camera. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And Trot is played by William McDonald. This is his fourth appearance on The X-Files. He was also in Fallen Angel, the host in Too Shy. And he'll be in one more episode and two episodes of Millennium. Oh. He's also appeared on Dead Like Me, The Outer Limits, and Supernatural. Ooh. So Mulder and Scully go into the bedroom. And because Mulder and Scully are going into the bedroom. Oh, <laughs> man, it's getting risque now. Okay, anyway. Scully asks if Mulder thinks Mary planted the photo of herself in the drugstore. But he's like, what would be the point of that? Like, why would you do that? Like, stop grasping a straw, Scully. Mulder finds a Polaroid camera in the closet. And Mulder covers the lens and takes a photo. And Scully's like, what are you doing? And he's like, just taking photos. And he takes some more, click, 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 click. And he lays them all out on the table. And he tells Scully about a bellhop named Tom Sirius who took what he called photographs. And he claimed that by concentrating on unexposed film negatives, he could create photographic representations of what he saw in his mind. So psychic photography. Oh, yeah. So they look down at the Polaroids and in each one is the exact same photo as the passport photo. Mary screaming, except on this one, because it's not cropped to be a passport photo. It's like more squarish, like Polaroid photos are. There's all these like skulls swarming around her. It's all twisted and very weird looking. And Mulder picks up one and he's like, I think he was here, Scully. And Scully's like, who? And Mulder says, Mary LaFont's abductor. Mulder believes he probably stalked her. He probably came to the house, maybe looked right through this window. 
close enough to affect the film and the camera. And Scully thinks it's obvious that someone doctored the film and the camera and planted it there to be found, maybe as a smokescreen. And Mulder asks, to conceal what? Like, he doesn't think this is about mail fraud. That's just incidental. What if someone had this ability and the image was a peek into someone's mind? Maybe even the darkest fantasies of a killer. Whoa. Yeah. Something weird's happening with the film. Mm-hmm. So then on the side of a highway, there's this young woman in a floral nightgown and she's crawling up the grass embankment. And then she walks along the side of the road and she nearly gets hit by a car because she's kind of like stumbling and not really paying attention. And we see that it's Mary LaFont. She has some blood on her face and a cop car pulls up behind her and blares its siren and she doesn't even react. She's just keeps walking. So then Mary's being rolled through a hospital hall on a bed and Mulder and Scully are walking alongside and the doctor tells them that Mary is non-responsive. Her preliminary talk screen shows traces of morphine and scopolamine, basically a painkiller cocktail. Mulder asks if that would account for her condition, but Scully says no. She looks at Mary's eyes and she tells the doctor to get her a PET scan. So in the lab, Mary's in the PET scanner And the minute the image of her brain appears on the screen, Scully says, oh, my God. She tells Mulder that Mary has been given a transorbital lobotomy, also known as an ice pick lobotomy. It involves inserting a leukotome through the eye sockets. Mulder asks if they're looking for a doctor, like someone with training. And the doctor says, not judging by the scan. And Scully says, whoever did it, did it wrong. Inside the machine, Mary starts to say something that sounds like, un hey Mulder presses the intercom and says her name, but she doesn't respond. So the doctors get up to go get her. Yeah, because she keeps repeating it. Yeah. So, yeah. And then Trot comes in and tells Mulder and Scully they've just gotten a call. There's been a second abduction. Yeah. And you don't need to be a doctor to do transorbital lobotomies because the person who created it wasn't a doctor. And rather than go into that whole crazy ass story, there is a very good set of episodes of Behind the Bastards about the guy. And there will be a link in the show notes. Oh, cool. I just I listened to a couple of the podcast this week. It was really interesting. So I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. And then we see a woman sitting in a chair with duct tape over her mouth and the light in the room turns on and a man speaks to her in German. She doesn't seem to understand. So she just struggles and shakes her head. And then he puts this long ice pick-like tool on a metal tray next to her, and she screams through the duct tape. And then it's commercial. Mm -hmm. (gasps) So the dude does speak in German, but we don't get any subtitles. No. But, dun-da-da, Google Translate. So he says, Unruhe, hab kein Angst, ich werden die helfen, du wirst dein Unruh, bald Ferguson, dein Unruh. Ferguson, I apologize for my German pronunciation. <laughs> You're brave. I wouldn't even have attempted that. <laughs> yes. But anyway, the English of that is restlessness. Have no fear. I will help you. You'll soon forget your restlessness. Forget your restlessness. And then also, so we'll get into this a little bit later, but you could also say unrest. Have no fear. I will help you. Soon you'll forget your unrest. Forget your unrest. But for the way this is worded, restfulness works better as a word. So Mm -hmm. it goes back and forth. Anyway, we'll get into that a little bit more later. 
So Scully arrives at a crime scene and she flashes her badge and proceeds on her way. And she's going through some scaffolding and she passes two MTs who are willing out a body bag. And she reaches the scene and Mulder's in there with the other cops searching the office. And there's a body outlined slumped against the wall. I mean, I guess that outline can slump against the wall, but you know what I mean. Well, so, yeah, there's an outline of where the body had been slumped against the wall. <laughs> Mulder tells her the body was Charles Selchik, a public accountant, dead from a stab wound through the ear. The cleaning crew found his body. Secretary Alice Brandt, age 32, is missing. Her family confirmed that she was working late last night. Scully asks if there's a connection to the first victim, and Mulder says none. But if the MO is the same, the clock is running. So they're looking through stuff. Mulder's going through things. And he says he's been thinking about that word Mary is repeating, unruway. And he says he checked the phone books, but it was a, pretty much a dead end. And Scully says it's more likely significant as a word. And Mulder agrees. And he says he thinks it means trouble or strife in German. And Scully tells him it means unrest. And then we learn that she took German in college. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know why she's just going to told him she knows what it means. And like I said, it'd be like, I think it's more significant as a word. Like being all passive aggressive. Anyway, it's going. So, yeah. <laughs> She's passive aggressive. So what's 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 weird? So I, I was curious about this because you do get the two different definitions. And there is a German word that's unrost, which is U-N-R-A-S-T, which is really close to unrest in English, right? Which translates only to restlessness using Google Translate, whereas unrue translates to both unrest and restlessness as well as a bunch of similar words like uneasiness, trouble, disquiet, whatever. You would kind of think that maybe unrest and unrest would be one-to-one, but nope. nope. Unrest in English comes from Middle English, which I don't know how to speak Middle English, but it's spelled like unrest, it's got an E on the end. And it's equivalent to, surprisingly, a prefix of un and then rest. So it has cognates with the West Frisian unrest, the Dutch unrost, German Low German Unrust, which has got a U with a little umlaut on it. So it's U N R U umlaut S T, which also means an arrest. And then the comparisons they give are the Satterland Frischen Unra, which means unrest, the German Unre, which means unrest, the Danish Uro, which means unrest, the Swedish Oro, which means unrest, and the Icelandic, which is also kind of like Oro, but like they roll the end of the I. It's really weird because it's O-R-O-I and like the I gets rolled. I don't, Icelandic is hard. I listened to it several times. I can't do it. Anyway, I'm not going to try. But what that means is that German and Low German both have words that are only one vowel different from unrest, unrast and unrust. But the actual German word that most closely translates to unrest is actually unrue. Languages are freaking weird. They are. They really are. Yeah. You guys don't care, but I do. So. (laughs) Meanwhile, Scully has been working on the crime scene photos from LaFont's abduction. She's hoping the killer may have returned to the scene of the crime. Mulder tells her he wasn't there, though. It would have affected the photos. He asks Trot what he's found, and Trot says nothing much. No cameras or film here whatsoever, nor does he know why there would be. Scully asks if that's what Mulder's looking for, more evidence of psychic photography. And Mulder tells her that may be all the evidence they have. This guy's obviously good. He's left no witnesses, no latent prints. The only thing he's left is the photos, probably because he doesn't know he has that ability. (gasps) So Scully watches Mulder dig through the desk 
and then notices something. And she glances at the crime scene photo and then out the window. She tells Mulder, hey, I want to show you something. So they walk through the scaffolding out to a sign that reads, Iskadarian Construction. She shows him the same construction sign appears in the crime scene photos of LaFont's abduction. What if the kidnapper was working construction at both sites? So Mulder tells her she should look into it, and she asks where he's going to be. And he says he wants to go back to D.C. and have the photo department run the Polaroid of LaFont screaming. He still thinks the answer is in there. And Scully's like, well, what if it's not? Brant's time is running out. And Mulder says that's exactly why they need to investigate the one piece of evidence that they do have. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why they had to walk all the way up to the sign for that. Like I thought it was funny because like if she could see the sign, I don't know why she couldn't just say, hey, that construction company was also near the yeah, site of LaFont's Yeah, she saw their kidnapping. logo in the office and then was like, right. let's go. Like she couldn't just say like, here's the same logo that's in that photo. I yeah, know. I don't know there. why they had to walk all the way there. But anyway, that's how it went. So yeah. So in the room where Brant is being held, her captor turns on the light and he holds up a nightgown like up for her because she's still like sitting down taped, that kind of stuff. And the tape comes loose from her mouth and she tells him to stay away from her. And so he pulls more tape off her roll and covers her mouth and shushes her. And then he lays the nightgown over her, like drapes it across her. And then he leaves and turns off the light. And again, he speaks in German. He says, das ist für dich, es it was das, das these were harder anyway in english he says this is for you it's like the one she was wearing and then he says bald sir say bald which is very soon very soon so my first thought was this dude's got maybe some mommy issues possibly like some oh maybe yeah psycho stuff because like given nightgown to the when you get the translation it's all it's like the one she was wearing so hmm, maybe we'll find out i don't yeah, know creepy yeah So then we are at the FBI Special Photographic Unit in Washington, D.C. So Mulder went all the way back to D.C. for Michigan. That's uh-huh. a fun trip. Yeah. yeah. I think he could have just like sent that there, like scanned it and sent it to them. Had them yeah. Like or just, I don't know, overnighted it or something. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you want to give up your only copy. Well, I guess they have they can make copies. But anyway, yeah. Mulder points to the image of Mary LaFont screaming on the screen and asks the tech to get rid of the blurriness surrounding her. So the tech does it. And then the skull surrounder kind of clear up a little bit. It's almost like if you ever used that like whirl tool on uh-huh. like Photoshop or Pixelmator, it kind of undid that a little bit. So it kind of like straightens things out a little bit. And then like everything's kind of straighter and less smeary. And then the tech says, whoever did this background is an artist. It's seamless because he thinks it's Photoshopped, right? Mulder notes that there's a face in a corner and asks the tech if he can make it clear. And so they do some Blade Runner level enhance, enhance, enhance. And we get a photo of a man's face. Uh-huh. Yeah. Back at the police station in Michigan, Scully asks Officer Corning what he's got. And he tells her they're running the construction company employees. 18 workers overlapped at both job sites. They're checking their records now. But so far, there's nothing. Scully asks about day laborers. And he tells her that Mr. Escadarian says his company doesn't hire workers off the books. And Escadarian, who's sitting nearby, says he doesn't want any trouble with the IRS. But the foreman may hire some cash-only day labor without his knowledge. And they're going to interview the foreman, of which there are seven. Scully asks which foreman was working in the Midlothian corporate park site, and she'll take that one. So I would think you would only want to interview the ones who were 
doing both sites anyway. What well, seems weird anyway. I mean, I guess they want to talk to all of them to see because they don't know that it's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, but if you were a foreman who wasn't working on a site, you wouldn't be hiring day laborers for a site. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. So Mulder's still working with the phototech, and then he hangs up a call, and he says that the NCIC shows no match for the man in the photo. Oh. And he points to another shape and is like, what's that? And they flip the photo around and reduce the shadow. And it turns out that it's an image of a tall, elongated silhouette looming over LaFont. And Mulder thinks it's a symbolic image of the kidnapper's shadow. Ooh, creepy. Yeah. So Scully arrives at a construction site and she's like, hello? Uh, but no one answers. So she goes upstairs and she finally sees a man come out of a room. He's wearing stilts. He confirms that he's the foreman, Jerry Schnoz. Scully flashes her badge and says she wants to ask him about day laborers. He says his crew is at lunch, but she's welcome to talk to them. Everyone he's got today is on the books as far as he knows. Her phone rings, so she kind of excuses herself and then steps away a little. And it's Mulder on the phone. And he tells her that he may have something on the kidnapper. His legs are unusually long, out of proportion. Mulder thinks he's either very tall or he wants to be. And so Scully looks back at Schnaz, who's wearing leg stilts, and uh, hangs up because she, she knows what's up now. And she says, underway. And he reacts. So she pulls her gun and tells him to stay where he is. But he doesn't. And instead, he uses the stilts to jump like over this gap in the floor, and he runs. But he trips and falls and Scully runs around to where he is and he manages to like get the stilts off and then run. And so she's like, stop or I'll shoot. But he doesn't stop. So she shoots and she hits some wood near him and he turns and he finally puts his hands up. And so Scully turns him around and frisks him and she reaches into his overall pocket and something pricks her finger and it bleeds and she pulls it out and it's a leukotome. Whoa. So I think maybe they've got their suspects. And then it's the commercial too. Yeah. And also, like, don't just be sticking your hands in people's pockets. Like, <laughs> feel around first. Jeez, yeah, I know. You are supposed to frisk them, <laughs> but yeah, didn't frisk them well. Snaz is played by Pruitt Taylor Vince, who had recurring roles on Deadwood, True Blood, and The Mentalist, among others. He's also appeared on House, The Walking Dead, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Stranger Things. And apparently those kinds of stilts are super hard to walk on. So after the stunt coordinator read the script, he went to Vince Gilligan and told him how difficult it was. So he's like, you really don't want an actor to do this, do you? And Gilligan, who says he was just a stupid writer, was like, how hard can it be? So they took him out to a parking lot and they put him on the stilts and they had like six people like kind of around him to catch him if he fell and he says he sweated probably five pounds of water trying to walk on them. So he understands now that it's incredibly difficult. Not too difficult, though, because they did it. So, yeah, well, apparently the actor was able to do it better than Vince Gilligan was. Oh, I figured it would have been a stuntman. But I guess, yeah, I guess the no, it, might, it might be the stunt. Yeah, yeah. he probably was a stuntman. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Well, I mean, he, well, he is standing there clearly on them, but he also could have. I didn't really check to see if when we really get to see him on them if he's only stable and not moving and maybe he was wired, I couldn't tell to hold him up. Maybe. Yeah. He might have been. Or maybe the dude can do it. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. People have skills sometimes. So they do. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I what I thought was gonna happen when she was like, oh, and she pricked her finger. I thought it was gonna be one of those needles and that she was just gonna go like oh and collapse. <gasps> oh, and oh that's what I thought was gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, but, I absolutely could have seen that happening, but yeah. Yeah. Just because we kind of know what's gonna happen later. So uh, yeah. I figured that I, I figured mean it that was, was inevitable, happening. right? It was inevitable. <laughs> it just gets delayed for a while, but yeah, it was gonna happen. Yeah, I figured that's so. how it was gonna happen. So then I was like, oh man, how's this gonna work then? Because Schnoz is in an interrogation room with Mulder and Scully, and he says, Who? And Scully repeats, Alice Brandt, the second woman that you abducted. Where is Alice Brandt? And Snaz says that he has no idea what she's talking about. This must be a case of mistaken identity. And Scully holds up the Lucatome and asks him to explain it. He says he uses it to start holes in the sheetrock. They're hanging sheetrock that day, so he was using it to do it so they could hang up the fixtures. And Scully says that he used it to kill two men. And Snaz is like, what two men? And Scully says he used it on Mary LaFont. And Snaz is confused. He's like, a minute ago, you said it was Alice Brandt. And he can't believe this is happening. <laughs> so, and yeah. honestly... Like, if you didn't know what was happening, you'd be really confused, too, because she's like, Alice Brand, then you killed two men, and then he uses on Mary, and he's like, what? And I was like, who's Mary? Yeah. <laughs> he's actually yeah. pretty convincingly playing the I don't know what you're talking about. I thought he did a good job of that. No, no this dude, this dude is really good. The actor. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Mulder is holding a file, and he asks Snaz if he wants to tell him about the first time he was arrested. And then Scully says that he attacked his father with an axe handle in 1980. He was beaten so severely, he spent the rest of his life in a wheelchair. And Snaz says that he was institutionalized for that. He had some kind of chemical imbalance. And Mulder says, yeah, you were diagnosed and treated for paranoid schizophrenia for six years. And then he asks what he's been up to since 1986. And Snaz says that he's been taking care of his father, trying to make amends. And then he says that his dad passed in January. Mulder notes that his file says he also has a sister. Where is she? And Schnoz says that she passed away. And Mulder says the file says she committed suicide in 1980. That must have been a rough year. And Mulder asks what else happened in 1980. And Schnoz is like, John Lennon got shot. Like, what are you doing? What are you going with this? Like, he's starting to get upset now. He's like, uh-huh. what are you guys talking about? So Scully asks again where Alice Brandt is. And Schnoz tells Scully that she looks troubled. And Mulder shows Schnoz the image of the man from the photograph they enhanced. And he asked Schnoz if that's his father. And Schnoz like reacts to that. He's like, where did you, where did you get that? And Mulder tells him he left that for them like a fingerprint. And then he shows him the photo of LaFont screaming and asks if that's what he sees when he closes his eyes. And Schnoz tells him that Brant is safe from the howlers now. She's all right. And Mulder implores him to tell him where they can find her. So, yeah. So apparently he told them something because cops race down a street and then Scully and Mulder and the other officers are running up a hill and someone says right up ahead and they find Alice Brandt lying under a bush and she's wearing a floral nightgown and she has blood around one eye. Scully bends down to take her pulse, but she's dead. So Scully walks away back towards the car. And Mulder walks up to the car and he tells Scully that something's bothering him about the word unrue. Maybe he thought he was curing or saving these women somehow from what he called the howlers. And Mulder says, if so, maybe this image isn't his fantasy. It's his nightmare. And Scully kind of asks, like, why it matters. Like, what difference does it make? 
And Mulder says, because he wants to know, but Scully doesn't. She's, she's kind of upset that Alice Brandt is dead. So she just gets in the car and starts the car and Mulder gets in. Seems like she has some unrest. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. So at the police station, Trot is fingerprinting Schnoz and then he takes his mugshot. And while he takes his photo, Schnoz notices that his gun is on his hip. And then Trot cuffs him to a table. And then the print comes out of the printer that shows the mugshot. So it's all built into like his file and everything. But the mugshot is not a schnoz. It's of Trot. And he's got a hole in the middle of his head. And there's a bunch of blood behind it. And Trot is like, what the hell? And then schnoz reaches over and grabs the gun. Because like he had one free hand. And like I just handcuffed him to the table. So he's <laughs> able to reach the gun. And then we don't see, but we hear a gunshot. <laughs> so... Then Mulder is looking at the printout, which now has actual blood on it, and Trot's body is covered and on the floor. Scully arrives, and Mulder tells her the wound and the photo is in the wrong place. He shot Trot in the throat. Snoz wasn't trying to save Trot. Scully tells him there's been a robbery at the drugstore where LaFont disappeared. They're going to head to it. So, yeah. So at the drugstore, an EMT is putting a bandage on a wound on the druggist Spencer's forehead. And Mulder sees a photo booth, so he puts in some money. And Scully tells Mulder that the robber was Schnoz. Mulder guesses that he took the passport camera and all of the film in the store. Scully says he also took morphine, scopolamine, hydrobromide, and insulin syringes. He's making more of his drug cocktail. And Scully points out that at the work site she found him at, there were apartments on all sides. What if he's already picked out his next victim? Oh, he has. He has. Yeah, he has. So Mulder tells Scully to bring the car around. He just wants to wait for the photo booth photos that he just ordered because he just like put money in and let it take pictures empty. And then he's going to take the photos that pop out. Mm-hmm. So outside, Scully heads for the car while dialing her phone. And she tells Officer Corning to send officers back to that job site and canvas the apartment buildings because she thinks Snaz is going to head back there. So she hangs up and she gets to the car and she's like pulling out her keys. But Snaz is under the car and hand reaches out and injects something in Scully's foot. So she yells and like jumps back, but then she falls to the ground and Snaz comes out from beneath the car and he grabs her. So Scully has been kidnapped again. It's, it's been mm-hmm. a while, I guess. So yeah. I guess we were overdue. Right outside of a crime scene. I know. Inside the drugstore, Mulder looks at the photos from the photo booth. They show Scully screaming and reaching towards the lens. So Mulder sees that and like runs out of the store and down to the parking lot. But when he gets there, the car is gone. But then he sees the SUV speed past him. So he runs after it, calling for Scully, but it turns a corner and he loses it. So he's not able to chase it on foot. Yep. Yeah. And it's commercial. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was really convenient for Snaz that they parked in the back, unlike everyone else at the crime scene who parked in the front, and that no one was like searching the area, like you assume they probably would be at a crime scene, making sure there weren't any clues at the back of the store or anything. So that was convenient for him. So yes. also, Mulder. You are super good at running. I will grant you, you can run, 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 run. But bullets are faster than you. And you could have shot at the car and probably at least slowed it down if you couldn't have stopped it. So. Right. Like shoot a tire or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nope. No. Nope. Nope. 
just gonna like what are you gonna do like if you catch it what are you gonna do like try and bump it with your shoulder and run it off the road no, he's gonna no. he's gonna jump on it onto the hood and then like use his gun to smash in the windshield i don't know i don't know then he'll just turn on the window wipers and mold'll be like whoa hang on the wipers <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh dear Anyway, so Mulder is staring at the photo of Scully. And Corning tells Mulder that Scully's explorer just turned up at a park and ride about 20 miles up Highway 81. Mulder asks if there have been any sightings. Corning says, just a report of an Audi that was stolen from the same lot. Mulder says he'll probably switch cars three or four times. He looks back at the photo and he wonders why there are six fingers on what looks like a hand that's reaching for Scully in the photo. Because Scully's photo is a little bit different, obviously, than the other one. Like her hand is out. And like some of the background stuff is different. It looks like there's some weird, creepy, bony hand coming to get her head, but mm-hmm. it does have like five fingers and a thumb. So six fingers. So that's weird. I mean, aside from it being like a weird photo that he took in a photo mm-hmm. booth that she wasn't in, but you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So he asks about Schnauz's apartment. He had a room in a boarding house, but they doubt he's coming back. And then Mulder's like any summer homes, family, friends. Corning says he didn't have much of anything. They're trying to chase down contacts they found in his wallet. Mulder's like, can I see his wallet? So Corning throws it at him, and Mulder finds Schnoz's father's obituary, like a little cutout from the newspaper in his wallet. And he realizes that Schnoz's father was a dentist. <gasps> it says, Gerald Schnoz DDS. So, yeah. Yep. So then we see a flashlight beam over a door that reads, Dr. Gerald T. Schnoz, dentist, in like worn letters. Mulder breaks the door open and heads inside, followed by some cops. In one of the exam rooms, they find like fresher footprints because the whole area is like it's abandoned. It's kind of dusty. It, you know what it looks to me like? It looks like a place that had been flooded. OK, because, like it's got like mud and everything. It's it kind of like, like the walls and the doors. They, they look muddy. Like when huh. the water drained, you'd have like the residue. Mm-hmm. It looks like maybe there was a flood or something. And also I was thinking like apparently property is cool in Michigan because this building's been abandoned for like six years at least because his dad has been incapacitated hasn't been doing dentistry stuff and then he's dead and this building's just been sitting there no one's using it Mm -hmm. no one sold it no one tore it down built something else well i think there are actually a lot of abandoned buildings in detroit i don't know what it was like in the 90s i think that was kind of a big thing then too though oh yeah but this is detroit this is like way up on the top of the glove of michigan oh yeah why did i think detroit i was thinking detroit for some reason Mm -hmm. but they do find some fresher footprints and the dentist chair is missing, and it kind of looks like it's recently been pulled out, so it wasn't just, like, removed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And Corning asks why he'd take the chair. And then we see a light turn on over Scully, who's duct taped to a dental chair. So there's our There answer. you go. And there's a tray with medical instruments next to her. And so she wakes up, and she tugs on her limbs, and then she sees the leukotome on the tray. And Schnoz is, like, standing against the far wall, mostly in shadow, and he's watching her. And Scully tells him to let her go. And he shushes her and he comes forward and he picks up the duct tape. And he speaks in German and he starts to put the tape over her mouth. And then in German, she says, stop. So he backs up. He's, he's I guess no one else has spoken back to him in German yet. And she tells him that she has no unrest. She doesn't need to be saved. And in English, Schnaz says, yes, you do. Everybody does, but especially you. Especially you. Yeah, poor Scully. If villains always think she's like, I don't know, the worst in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Also, only Scully gets subtitles, apparently, because everyone else doesn't. But again, Google Translate. 
So I'm not going to attempt the German. But when he comes to her, he says, everything is all right. And then she tells him to go away. And then he says, I'll help you. You will soon forget your restfulness. And then she's like, stop. Yeah. She's like, I don't have restlessness. I'm just, I'm not restless. I'm very restful. Leave me alone. Yeah. Ich nein unre or whatever it was she said. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something close to that. I forget. She had subtitles, so I didn't have to care what she said. So anyway. So she asks, why her? Does she remind him of his sister? Why did his sister kill herself? What did his father do to her? And Schnaz says he didn't do anything. It was the Howlers. And Scully's like, okay, let's talk about the Howlers. So Schnaz bends down to her level and says, they live inside your head. They make you do things and say things you don't mean. And all your good thoughts can't wish them away. You need help. He tells her she has them and points to her eye. But she says she doesn't have them. And he says they made her say that because they know he's going to kill them. It's hard, it's hard to argue with this logic. <laughs> like, he's very like polite and talking to her though. Like, yes, I'm, he's I'm, very I'm just like, I'm telling you, like, here's the thing. You've so, got howlers and I'm trying to help. And yeah. I'm, yeah, we're gonna take care I mean, of He no honestly, problem. he is a true believer. He definitely yeah. believes this. Yeah, um, there's like no maliciousness in him at all, really. No, it's it's very much, yeah. He believes this. This is what he's doing. He thinks he's doing good for these people. Scully's like, well, what if they don't exist? What if you made them up to explain the things that his sister said his father did? And then Schnaz gets upset and he yells, I'm on to you. I know your tricks because he thinks this is the Howlers tricking him. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do we know it's not? Right. I mean, I mean we don't. Got photographic evidence. Schnaz has seen them in that picture that Mulder showed him. Pictures don't lie. See, there you go. Boom. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Scully says if there are such things as Howlers, they live only inside Schnaz's head. He sighs and he puts down the leukotome and he goes across the room to get something. And Scully like reaches for the leukotome. She's like taped up so she can't move very far, but she's trying, but she can't quite get it. And Schnaz comes back with the passport camera and he kind of pulls the medical tray out of the way and he starts to take Scully's photo, but then he reconsiders and he aims the camera at himself. So I have to say, there was a lot of play in that duct tape when she's trying to move her arms, like when she first wakes up. And also it's like over her jacket. She could just slit her arms out of her jacket sleeves and got out of there. I know, I know. I mean, her feet, her feet are taped up too, but like yeah. if her arms are free, she could bend down and like undo her feet. At least fight back a little bit. Yeah, or get weapon. away. Yeah, because she just keeps yanking, like kind of like go vertically up. And it's like, that's not how you get out of constraints. You don't just, like she's going to have like crazy She-Hulk strength and bust through them or something. But yeah. Also, when she's all, why me? And I'm like, because you've been crabby all episodes, Scully. That's why you got unrest. Because <laughs> she kind of has, she's kind of been on edge the whole episode. Like, even from yeah. the beginning, very beginning, which, she's been kind of, which is probably, I mean, that, she's been written that way or directed to act that way. That's just why. So it's just yeah, like, and maybe she's edged. You know? I mean, the characters can be agitated too. Like, the, you know, she maybe doesn't yeah. want to be there. Maybe she's thinking Mulder's dragging her out on another thing and he has this crazy photo theory and she just doesn't understand how that's possible and she doesn't want to do it. And then women are getting killed and she doesn't Despite like that. all the so. things you've seen, Scully. I know. So. But, you know, and she's really unhappy when Alice Brandt's body is found. And she's pretty disgusted by the lobotomy, too. So I think that's probably yeah. not fun either to know that someone's out there doing these things to people. Yeah. They do. They do kind of telegraph it, though, the whole episode that she's. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Yes. So. Yeah. And like, again, it, 
I think we're really below our Scully gets kidnapped quota since season three. So we really did have to pick that number back up. So I, I get it. I guess it was time. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> gotta meet the quota. Yeah, gotta, gotta meet, meet the, the quota. quota. Yeah. Yeah. So Mulder's pacing around the abandoned dental office, and he's trying to figure out why the photo has six fingers. Why six fingers? So Corning asks him what he wants to do, and Mulder looks at the photo again, and then he looks at the photo from Schnoz's father's obituary, and he sees that there are five headstones around the gravesite. I guess they have like a family gravesite. And so he realizes that with Schnoz Sr., so with the dads, that would make six. So Mulder's like, Corning, come on! And then runs, and then Cordy's like, "Hey, everybody, come on, let's go!" And so they all run down the hallway. So they're not going to make Mulder explain; they're just going to follow him. It's fine. The FBI, man, come on. <laughs> so Mulder and the others arrive at the cemetery, and Mulder stops at the row of six headstones, and he tells him to fan out, check the tree line, and then Mulder looks up and he sees a backhoe behind some bushes. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Yeah, do they talk about the backhoe later? Does it come up? I don't think so, but I think it okay. sort of gives him an idea of like, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's okay. Yeah. Cause ain't no graves dug up that we know about. No, that's Donnie faster. That does that. Yeah. <gasps> oh no. Oh no. Donnie faster is creating this guy's howlers. Maybe that is Donnie faster. And he's just oh. into him. This guy's way more likable, though. That's true. He's not, <laughs> not all that like, he's like super likable. Yeah. I don't like murderers. I feel like I talk too much about how bad guys are likable or sympathetic. And I don't mean that I think they're good people. I just mean in the show, I, I think Shaz is pretty like, yeah, you kind of get where he's coming from. Don't agree well, with his actions. Skull is but... going to come around on him, too. We'll find out. Yeah, it's so. true. It's true. Yep. So in the room where Scully's being held, Shaz is looking through the stack of photos that he's taken of himself with the passport camera. And then he kind of like sits down next to her. He kind of like bends down next to her and he shows her the photos. He's like, what do you think this means? And she tells him that it means he needs help. And he backs away, but he keeps looking at the photos. So he's just like flipping through all of them, staring at them. Yeah, we don't get to see says, him, unfortunately. We don't see the photo. But he says what he thinks it means is that he doesn't have much time left. So then he pushes the tray back closer to Scully and he grabs the tape. And he puts duct tape over her mouth and he grabs the leukotome. Then he hears something and he looks through a peephole and he sees Mulder outside. <gasps> so we see Mulder is standing by an RV and he can't see inside like all the windows have been covered so he can't see in. But he looks in the front window like where the driver's seat is and there's a keychain dangling from the ignition and it has a little tooth on it. <gasps> so, you know, like maybe from a dental office or something. So Mulder shouts Scully's name. Scully, meanwhile, finally manages to free an arm from the duct tape and she pulls the tape from her mouth and she screams, Mulder, I'm in here. So Mulder breaks the window on the RV door, but there's something behind it and he can't get it open. So Scully calls for help as Schnoz bears down on her with the leukotome and Mulder uses a pipe to break through the blockage and he gets the door open and he comes in with his gun drawn and he shoots Schnoz who falls to the ground. And then Mulder asks Scully if she's hurt and she shakes her head and Mulder tells an officer who comes up behind him to get an ambulance and Scully leaves the RV and then Mulder sees all the photos lying scattered around Schnoz. 
and the photos show Schnoz lying dead. Mm-hmm. So those are the photos he was looking at. Yep. So then Scully is at home and she's typing on her laptop and she's doing voiceover. And so she's all addendum to the case report. After his death, a diary was found among Schnoz's belongings. It was written in second person, apparently as a letter to his father. It included the names of his victims, the women he desired to save. My name was the last entry. And then she's got like, you know, like photos of the crime scenes and all the different, you know, like the photo of her and the photo of Mary. And she writes that she has no further explanation for the existence of the photographs, nor is she confident one is forthcoming. Her captivity forced her to understand and even empathize with Jerry Schnoz. She understands the value of that now. For to pursue monsters, they must venture into their minds. But in doing so, they risk letting the monsters into theirs. (gasps) Then it's over. Yeah, it's very grotesque. I'm not a fan of this style of ending episodes. I don't like it. I don't like it when Mulder does it. I don't like it when Scully does it. I just don't like it. I don't like the let's type and narrate. I don't like it. Yeah, it works for me. But again, like I grew up on this show. So like for me, it's just kind of a normal way to end. We talked about in season one how like the whole voiceover Scully wraps up the thing was kind of the network's thing because they didn't want things to be left hanging so much. They wanted the audience to have like a more solid conclusion. So if the episode maybe doesn't, they throw in the voiceover and the typing up the report. Also, she's supposed to be writing reports on the X Files. <laughs> she's still doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, I like it. I don't have I a problem with it. They use it more think... the soliloquy of where they get to be like all like. Yeah. Oh. Well, and this is this has a lot of callbacks to like the episode grotesque, mm-hmm. right? The whole monsters thing. So, like, I don't know if maybe maybe why Scully was agitated is she was kind of getting into the head of the killer a little bit. And well, she obviously she, she was refusing to get into the head of the killer. That was the problem. Oh, that's true. So yes. now she realizes the value of doing the that. Value she was like, it. I don't care. Like, yeah. thinks what he thinks. Ugh, I'm mad. It's true. She le- look character growth. She learned a lesson. <laughs> Okay, she'll forget it next time, but yeah, cool. <laughs> I don't if someone know. else will write the next one that happens, they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. we're not going to reference that episode. So, no. Yeah. Vince Gilligan will reference everything, but nobody else does that on the show. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Aside from the psychic photography, I think this would have been a very good Millennium episode, honestly. So, yeah. Millennium did just air a couple days ago, the pilot episode. In the Friday night slot, which is why X-Files is in the Sunday night slot. Mm-hmm. So, and we recently just recorded a Millennium episode where people who were in that episode mm-hmm. were in Deadwood. And I was talking about how, like, I've always wanted to watch Deadwood, but I've never really just gotten around to watching it. And this guy was in Deadwood, too. You think he's in, like, in three episodes. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking I might have to sit down and watch Deadwood now at some point. It's like four people that I have an interest in now who are in the series. So mm-hmm. I might have to do that. So... And I wonder if they use this in Deadwood, too, because one of the things that was really interesting about this was his eye movements when he would kind of get, you know, freaky. His eyes would kind of like move around and he actually has nystagmus, which is an involuntary neurological condition that is sometimes called dancing eyes or restless eyes. But it can also affect balance and coordination. So I'm not sure this were a good idea. Maybe. Oh no. Because, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> so there's different versions of it. I mean, it's kind of all the same thing, but like sometimes people's eyes move up and down. Sometimes they kind of move like up and down and side to side. Sometimes they kind of move in circles. He just has, seems to have the horizontal version. 
which is sometimes called torsional nystagmus. Okay. And then if we're going to talk about horizontal nystagmus, let's talk about cops. Because while I was looking up the nystagmus thing, I found out the horizontal gaze nystagmus test is one of the tests they use for the field sobriety checks. Because oh, when, okay. when you have and you track the eye, that's apparently something doing. Because like there's different, like you can be born with it. You can get it later in life for like a variety of reasons. Alcohol, your body processes the alcohol, also affects the way some of the membranes work. And so that can, uh, it can give you like temporary versions of that. And so that's one of the things they use to do like DUI checks in the United States. Okay. So, yeah. Although if you actually just have that as a thing, that's not that's a problem. Yeah. Well, and also yeah. here's the thing, the one that they're checking for, if your head is tilted a certain way, some people, the way like the equilibrium in your ears and all that kind of stuff work, it affects the stuff too. So they have to be very careful when they're doing the DUI test that your spine has to be totally straight and your head has to be perfectly erect because if your head is tilted or to the side a little bit, it can actually make your eyes do that. Even oh, if you lovely. haven't had enough alcohol to like oh, that's fail good. the DUI test, if you had some, it can make it worse if you would maybe normally have it anyway. But for the most part, from what I've read, it's pretty much a valid test, but it does have false positives. So Yeah. Well, and we all know cops are super known for being very like thorough when they test people for things like that. Yeah. But and apparently that, that is something that people that people use as claims <laughs> of that it was a false test because they say like, well, oh, gotcha. You know, either I have it or like, you know, they'll get someone as a witness being like, well, if he wasn't checked properly, it could affect. And especially if you can, if you actually reproduce it and show that right. you, you have it, if your head's not straight, well, then you could argue whether, but whether that'd be true or not. Maybe that just gives you an excuse to drink and drive, which is not something you should do. So no, don't drink yeah. and drive. But also, I don't know if I trust cops to administer those kinds of tests anyway. Yay! This episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Vince Gilligan. He really loves his serial killers, I'm thinking now. But yeah, I thought this episode was really good. I think it's helped a little bit by coming off of like home in Toledo. I think it definitely helps it in terms of just like, I got to this one and I was like, oh, thank goodness. This well, is the we, X-Files I want. <laughs> we, had, we had talked about how the production numbers, how this is actually the production number wise, this is the second episode. Mm-hmm. but then home was the second episode that aired and apparently they held this one back and were waiting because they knew they were going to have the schedule change and so they wanted to make sure they had a super good one for the to get the new viewers the sunday night to view so that because, everyone who's like whoa what's this show yeah, that i've they, never because seen because i don't watch tv on fridays up, yeah they figured they'd probably pick up new viewers on sunday because of okay the time so that makes sense yeah, it doesn't make sense. Heard- There's a lot of other ones that change in this season, too. So I don't know if it explains all of them. And then, like, every season after this does the same thing where, like, episodes are kind of jumbled a little bit. Mm-hmm. But apparently there was, like, a method to the madness of this one being the second okay. produced episode, but the fourth aired episode. So. Gotcha. Yeah, so I really liked this one. I, again, I got to it and I was like, breath of fresh air. Thank you, Vince Gilligan, for coming in. Giving us this. Um. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was interesting. It's weird, but it's weird in a way you haven't really seen before. Like I'd never heard of like photography. I'm sure the first time I saw this. Really? You never heard of psychic photography? I probably had by now, but like I had, when I first I've never heard it, of, I, I, had, I, I hadn't heard of the photography and that dude in particular, but yeah. 
I mean, I, I don't know if I had when I was 15 and I was watching this. It's definitely not something that you see a ton of. So I thought that was neat. Oh. I really liked Vince, the guy who plays Schnoz. I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. I even liked the druggist. I thought the druggist was really good, too. He was fun. Uh, yeah, yeah I just, just like loved little, this episode. Pleasant old man kind of dude. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just a really good one. So, again, I don't know if part of that is just coming off the other two. But um, I was just really excited to watch it. It made me really happy. So I think I'm going to give it an eight whoa an eight holy moly wow that would be super amazing if i wasn't also going to give it an eight oh, oh nice boom double eights oh wow all right so <laughs> we are simpatico on that yep i went through and rated my episodes early this one i haven't looked one and i told i Corey actually she don't can't know look. so i'm not yeah. going to I'm, i don't need to know yeah so behind the scenes my thoughts are my own we're recording the next episode <laughs> in just a few minutes my third podcast of the day sorry if i seem a little bit wild yeah it's okay i do well on marathon sprints but then i then i need to like go pass out for a while so and i am behind (laughs) on editing yeah mostly we're just we're having trouble scheduling recording just because like both busy and so it's just we have to find time more yeah well we're putting out three that is a a struggle which is not yeah yeah we've got the patreon which you should be listening to because there's a lot of cool stuff there Because if you're like three podcasts a week, what are you talking about, Nick? I only get one episode a week. And that's because you're not on the Patreon. The other two are on Patreon. And again, those are one of those is now Millennium. So Millennium Mondays. We're going to talk a lot about Millennium, I'm sure. Yeah, we will. <laughs> but yeah, this episode was really good. I was relieved. I was like, oh my gosh, season four has been off to a very rough start. And then we get this and I'm like, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Thank you, Vince. So, you know, someday maybe I'll watch Breaking Bad. I don't know if I can ever sit through it. That kind of stuff. It's with a drugs little and cancer early makes to me nervous. It. But he does write, let's see. He, he writes, writes paper hearts. Yeah, he writes two more episodes this season, it looks like. And one yeah. he's co-writer on a couple too. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think he did a lot of work. I think he was doing a lot yeah. of production work well, was, on this yeah, season. Yeah, well, he was he was he was staff on this season now, finally. So yeah, was, so he was going he was through and doing a lot of stuff, stuff. But yeah. So. yeah. And I know he wrote Paper Hearts, and I know he, there's another one, too. So, you know. Small potatoes. So far, he's kind of MVP, but we'll see how that goes yeah. as the season progresses. But, yeah, so he, he does have a couple more coming up this season. But mm-hmm. I am going to say that this might, I'm calling it early, but this might end up being the my favorite this season. We'll see. So Okay. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll... there's a lot more that are even better. That would be amazing. Yeah. So. That would be great. I would love it. And I think. I mean, I'm a little farther ahead than you, and I think there but are I'm not some willing good ones, to but give them the benefit of the doubt, though. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, I remember loving the X Files even in season four, so there have to be some good episodes in here. It just it starts a little slow. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Here we are, episode four, and I'm like, woo! This is the X Files. I love. I also really love that picture of Scully. I know it's kind of all over the internet, but I really like that photo. I don't know why. I just think it's really weird and creepy and surreal and i think it's just a good I like, like the other one better honestly it's got more stuff going on with all the skulls and everything but. yeah both of them are really good they're both really creepy and weird and so i thought that was really well done yeah guy could have had a career making crazy photos <laughs> but he's dead oh well yeah that's sad all not right. too sad because he was like murdering and lobotomizing people but well, it's yeah sad. but if you could just like get him <laughs> to not do that part and then just think about murdering the people then it would be fine it would be fine <laughs> he makes some good art although it makes you wonder if 
his psychic photography is actually sort of a precognition because is he seeing them scream as he's getting ready to do the stuff? I mean, Scully is reaching out. And I don't know that we ever see her reaching out. I don't yeah, know. I don't know if it's just a visual but representation of what he's when he, picturing. When he takes, but when he takes the photo of himself, it's not even it's not even surreal at all. It's just a photo of him lying on the ground dead. There's not even uh-huh. any, there's not any weird stuff going on. And so, the one with Trot, it's just Trot with like a bullet and blood, right? Yeah, well, it's in the wrong place. Which is, that that, I don't understand why they did the thing in the wrong place. I get what they're trying to do. Like, oh, he wasn't trying to save this guy, so it would have all the weirdness. But I still don't know why it would have the bullet in the wrong place. It is good, though, because I know in the scene when he pulls the gun on Trot, and we see him holding it, and then it goes to black, and we hear the gun. I was like, that gun is not high enough to shoot someone in the forehead. He's pointing like at his throat, and then you did shoot him in the throat so good job maybe he's not really good with guns so he was picturing the head and then shot him in the throat yeah i don't know maybe he was imagining he would shoot him in the head maybe that's uh, what okay it was, but then he actually shot him in the throat mm-hmm. so maybe it's not a precog i don't know anyway i can't explain i don't that. know either because this thing Mulder says it's kind of his nightmare so it might be just what he's thinking although when he takes the photo of himself dead that does confuse yeah, him that's so i don't know if it's some kind of subconscious realization that he's not going to get through this or if yeah, it's some but, kind of precognition yeah, so thing or maybe he has all the psychic powers <laughs> that, is, that is very x-files to just give everyone all the powers as we've talked about many times so that's yep. entirely possible yeah oh did he do the smash and grab just to get scully to show up i think he did it to get the camera in the film because he wanted to take away but he wanted to get Scully and he was waiting for them. Yeah, maybe it was both. Maybe he okay. wanted to get the film and the camera and then also was just yeah. waiting because he knew they would show up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It can two, be both. Two birds, <laughs> one thing. Two yeah. motives for the robbery. There you go. All right, cool. All right, we yeah, we need to stop. All right. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. That's right. We made this. We also make a Patreon-only X-Files adjacent podcast that we talked about earlier. It's in the show notes. But whatever you do, be sure to join us next time for the X-Files Season 4, Episode 5, The Field Where I Died. And together, we'll try to figure out if If the the truth truth is is still out there. The truth is what we make of it.
Okay. I think that was fine. Honestly. Yeah, I think so too. I don't feel, I don't feel weird yeah. about any of it. So. Okay. So we are in Michigan. Okay. Where are we in? Do we get a location when we're in Tennessee? We are in Tennessee. Okay. That makes sense. Cause we're doing civil war bullshit. Okay. Which means Mulder was probably a slave owner. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it probably was. Get into the implications of that. Well, they were just... they were waiting for the Federals to leave, so they were the North. No, they definitely were not the North. <laughs> oh dear, I didn't even think of that. That's dark. <laughs> Actually, they Jeez. all were. They all Scully probably was too, because she was his sergeant. She was dead. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. No, they both. Okay. Ooh. Cool. 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 <laughs> I kept getting Melissa and Samantha mixed up too. Cause I was like, wait, he just said his sister was his son. Now he's saying that's his husband. And I was like, oh, wait, Melissa was Scully's sister, not Walter's sister. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm like, oh, delete that note. That's wrong. Dumbass. Anyway. Well, maybe there's still a problem with that. But anyway, get into that when we talk about the episode. All right. We will just keep going on and on about. Yep. Yeah, we will. Ramble City over here. I'm the mayor of Ramble City. I'm the mayor of Simpleton. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's a song. Anyway. 